brothers and sisters yesterday morning, uh, having a good time of fellowship, and <clears throat> God confirmed this passage uh, for today. I'm just going to read <clears throat> read one verse. <clears throat> Luke 24, verse 32. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Okay, let's pray. Father, we're here not to learn information or to learn about something or theology or doctrine. We put all of those aside. We want to encounter Jesus Christ, the only person who can bring cracking and, and, and cold hearts and thaw them and bring life to it. So, Lord, we ask that you would minister to your people through the word, that you would show us things that we did not see before. I pray that you would just blow us away with, with, with your presence and just connecting dots in Scripture and just opening up things. And, Lord, we want to leave this place with hearts that burn for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today's uh, title, as you can probably guess, is Heartburn. And I'm not talking about the experience when you eat Costco pizza and you're having some problems with your digestion. There's a heart that burns when you meet Jesus. Um, and and, And conversely, if you do not meet Jesus and you just faithfully attend church and learn things, our heart gets cold and cracks and, and we become so far from the Lord and we start spiritually dying. And it, it happens too often. Even those who are most faithful in God's church, we are just spiritually dying and withering away. And I pray that starting today, God would meet us, Jesus would come alive in us, our hearts would burn again. Luke 24, verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Could it be possible that you could be part of a church, read your Bible from cover to cover, know a lot of theology, know a lot of, uh, be an incredible Bible teacher? Could it be possible that even though you do all of this, you cannot see Jesus for who he is? Because Jesus is there, and they are not recognizing him. I find this to be uh, very problematic and very common in God's church. Luke 24, verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus gives us a, a strategy and a perspective and a lens to read all of scripture. Starting from Moses to the prophets to the Psalms, every single book in the Old Testament, Jesus is there. First thing I want to say is why did Jesus reveal himself to these two on the road to Emmaus? In John 21, God showed this to uh, to me a couple weeks ago, and I was just blown away. <clears throat> it says, uh, when Jesus <clears throat> is restoring Peter, yes, if you could, uh, um, Peter is uh, being restored by Jesus, and he says, "Feed my lambs." Then he says, "Tend my sheep," and then he says. 
feed my sheep. If you notice, it, it uses sheep twice and it uses lamb, lambs once. It says feed twice and then it says tend once. And so we know Jesus' ministry and any pasture who is an under-shepherd under Jesus, the main ministry of, 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 of the preaching is feeding, uh, which is through the Word of God, nourishing God's people. It is also tending, shepherding, guarding, um, guiding, bringing to the fold, shepherding, uh, um, sh- uh, sheltering. This is the job of the shepherd uh, from attacks and from enemies. And so Jesus is saying, this is what I do, and every minister who is serving my church, please do these two things, feed and shepherd. But he starts with feed the lambs. And, I, and I, this, is, this was amazing to me that he, Jesus' heart goes for the little ones. This, this lamb is a little sheep. His heart goes for the little one. His heart goes for the lost one. His heart goes for the damaged one. His, his heart goes for the, the, the greatest in the kingdom who are the children, the least in the kingdom. Uh, we think they're the least, but God says they're the greatest. And so God's heart, is, He has compassion uh, for the children. He has compassion for, for the lost sheep who does not know their identity. His, his heart goes for the, for the newly converted, born-again believer. And I bet the knows, uh, as an example, they have two children now. Lydia is a little bit older, and so their heart, of course, they love Lydia. But every sound that this baby, who will be unnamed, this baby makes, every sound they are attending to the needs because the baby needs it. Baby needs extra attention. It's, it, it's not saying that, that Lydia is loveless. No, no. Peter and Becca love Lydia and they love the little one who was just born and this little one needs a lot of attention. So if you remember back to when you were born again, didn't your hearts burn a little more easily? Wasn't it? Didn't you sense his presence a, a, a lot more frequently? I think it's because Jesus is feeding you. He knows that you're like a little infant and so you need a bottle and so he's coming and showing extra attention to you. And so Jesus' heart is for these people, the newly born again, the lost, the oppressed, uh, the forgotten. He goes after. His, his heart is for these first. And then he shepherds uh, his sheep. And when it comes, when it, the interesting definition of a sheep is a sheep is, is, a, is a creature that is prone to wander. And isn't that all of us? We are prone to wander, but, but Jesus, he has to go after us. Jesus has to bring us back. He has to shelter us. He has to fight for us. He has to protect us. This is his shepherding ministry. And then he says, uh, feed the sheep. One, one definition of feed the lambs that I, that I miss, because you might say, well, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a born-again believer that just got converted yesterday. And so I, I feel jealous of, of the newborn. Like, why do they get so much attention? Does Jesus forget about me? And, but, but then it doesn't make sense because there are some who are veterans of the faith. They've been walking with Jesus for decades, but Jesus still seems to feed them like frequently and, and abundantly. And so there's, there's something there, uh, which the Lord showed to me, when it says feed the lambs. It's not only the little one, it's also the one who is pure. If you have a pure heart for God and a pure love for Jesus, He will feed you 
abundantly as if you're a newborn. And that is the amazing thing. So he has not forgotten you just because you've been walking with the Lord. And, and you could just say, okay, is there something in my heart that is not pure? Is there a desire I have other than Jesus? Is there something that's pulling me away and I'm, I'm just a sheep who is prone to go astray? That needs to be dealt with. May I have a pure heart because blessed are those who have a pure heart. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Some, uh, some people in God's church close the Lord's Supper and say this is only for recognized born-again believers. You have to be a member of the church. We have to be, you have to have a, a vetted testimony and only you can come. But notice these, these two brothers, they came to faith and they, their eyes were open in the midst of the Lord's Supper. It is an amazing thing. And so we should, we should not limit God. We should not put... Uh, uh, boxes. And so today I think God is just going to blow us away. There, there's some boxes of theology and doctrine that we just, we box God in and we don't know. He is, he is, wants to be, he is, uh, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's, he's uh, 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 omnipotent. And, and so he, well, let's not put him in a box. <clears throat> and their eyes are open. And, and, and then it says in verse, um, 32, oh no, verse uh, 31, and their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And so they had physical sight. They saw a person walking with them. Spiritually, their eyes were closed. At the end, they had spiritual sight and, and Jesus vanished from them physically. He was not present. And so that is where all of us want to be. Jesus can come to us physically. He's, he's God. Let's not limit him. He can come to us in a dream, in a vision. He can actually even come in the flesh uh, or as an angelic form if he chooses. Let's not limit Jesus and say, you can't do that anymore. He can do that. But, but uh, at the very least, uh, we have to see him spiritually. Um, when, when Thomas is having, a, uh, having some trouble and he's doubting in John chapter 20, uh, he says, I need to physically see the nail marks and, and the piercing. I need, to, I need to touch him. I need to see him. And, and Jesus is so gracious. He meets uh, Thomas where he is, he, and, and he ministers to him. But he says, blessed are those who believe who do not see. And many of us have not seen him, but we believe, and we are blessed. And then again, verse 32, And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Is this how you read the scriptures? That you want to see Jesus on every page. And how do you know that you meet Jesus? Your heart burns. If your mind is stimulated, um, I don't think you're meeting Jesus necessarily. The, the clear sign that you've actually met Jesus through the Word of God is that you come away from that encounter 
with a heart that burns. Where is Jesus in the Old Testament? Um, is he there at all? Some people say he's not really there. Uh, he is just a faint promise of the Messiah to come. Is he there at all? That's, that's the first question I want to ask. Um, is he there in some pre-incarnate form? Uh, is he, uh, or is it just a faint promise? John 14, uh, this is just things that the Lord is just revealing to me even as of yesterday, and it just blows me away. It says in John 4, 14 that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And yet, how can people in the Old Testament, without Jesus, know the Father? Is that even possible? If Jesus is literally the only way, how can people in the Old Testament know who their Heavenly Father is if Jesus is not there in some way? Right? It's just We're just using logic here. In Exodus 30, it says, The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's in uh, Exodus, I think, I think it's, I wrote 30, but I think it's 33. Um, it says that uh, Moses used to speak to somebody face to face. And then it says uh, uh, later in that uh, chapter, Moses asks, God, show me your glory. And God says, uh, um, you cannot see my face. And I will hide you in the cleft of a rock. I will cover you. I'm going to go go past you. And you're going to see me uh, from the backside. But you cannot see my face. So if that is Moses and, 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 and God interacting, who was he just a few verses prior uh, interacting with face to face? And, and Jesus makes it clear in John 1.18. He says, no one has ever, ever, underscore that, no one has ever seen God. That includes Moses. That includes everyone in the Old Testament. It includes those who say they're interacting with somebody face to face. The only God who is at the Father's side, Jesus is speaking about himself, he Jesus has made the Father known. So how can we know the Father today? It's through Jesus. How did everybody in the Old Testament know who their Father was? Answer? Through Jesus. It's an amazing truth, isn't it? Matthew 13, when Jesus is speaking in parables, he says the, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. He says, For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear, ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see, and, he, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. That's from Matthew 13. Verses 15 uh, through 17. And so our prayer when we read the scripture is, Lord, open my eyes so that I may see Jesus. Lord, open my ears that I may hear Jesus' voice. Lord, open my heart and I open my heart that I may perceive and understand who Jesus is and I may meet him. We get a clue in places like 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 1, 
that there's some kind of a pre-incarnate form of Jesus in the Old Testament. It says in verse 1, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Did you know that in the form of a, a rock that follows the people of God, when Moses struck the rock and the, and the water came out, it was Jesus. When Moses got angry, he struck the rock. He was striking Jesus in some pre-incarnate form. A spiritual thing is occurring there. And Jesus is present with them. And I want to say, he's not just present in the rock. He's present in the pillar of cloud that guided them by day. He's present in a, a pillar of fire that they give light at night. He's, he's, he's present in a manna that came from heaven because he is the bread of life. He is, he is there in the water that gushed from the rock because he is a source of living water. And this whole story that we see in the Old Testament, it is Jesus all over the place. And perhaps we've read it. And it's like Jesus is standing there. And maybe until this moment, you never saw it. I started praying this prayer earlier this week. Open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart that I may see Jesus, I may hear Jesus, I may understand Jesus. And he started giving me all of this. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Exodus uh, 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, did not depart from before the people. Numbers 9.15, On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearing of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Numbers 9.21, And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time they, that, that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But then, but when it lifted, they set out. And it reminds me, all of these verses remind me of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And Jesus, as it says in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The same way that the cloud by, uh, is, is leading the people by day is the same way that Jesus shepherded, shepherds us in the New Testament and he brings us to green pastures by day. When it's night, the cloud of fire is there for protection to give some light. Uh, and, and Jesus brings uh, his sheep back into the fold to shelter, to protect them. And so Jesus is there as the good shepherd. It's, it's a different form. It's not obvious, but he's there. And now I think we're beginning to have eyes to see. Hagar in Genesis 16 also met Jesus. Amazing. It says, The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way <clears throat> to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, 
Where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And then jumping down to verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. And so this angelic being. And so we have to just understand. There are angels. An angel can appear. But, but angel is just a word for messenger. It doesn't have to be an angel. And so if you look at the original language, there's no capitalization. But the biblehub.com slash interlinear, if you look at the Hebrew and the Greek, it gi- they give us a little uh, help. This angel is capital A. They say this messenger is serious. This is not even, it's not just Gabriel or uh, uh, Michael. This, this is a capital A angel, messenger of God. And Hagar interacts with this person and, and calls this angel a God who sees. And if, it's a, if it really was an angel, an angel would say, don't do this. I am not worthy of that, of that commendation and that name. But, but this angel, this messenger receives it. It is Jesus who comes to her. Judges chapter 6. Again, it's an angel. Uh, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Orpah, which belonged to Joash the Ebezerite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? Does an angel have authority to call Gideon and send him out? Or is this a, a, a role reserved for the chief angel slash messenger, Jesus Christ, who, who called fishermen, who is now calling Gideon? It's the same calling. It's just a form we don't recognize. And so if your theology says there is no Jesus in the Bible, in the Old Testament, then they will say, okay, this is an angel, this is a theophany. No, this is a Christophany. This is Jesus appearing in a form that we don't recognize, but he is calling Gideon to the ministry the same way that he called Peter, James, John, all the apostles in the New Testament. Daniel chapter 3. The three friends who are thrown into a fiery den they're, 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 uh, Nebuchadnezzar throws them in because these three friends refuse to bow the knee. And there will come a day, maybe even on our lifetime, that the laws of the land will change and they will tell us to bow down. And as people of God, we will say, we will not bow. And some of us will be persecuted, possibly thrown into terrible situations. And these three refuse to bow. And they're thrown in and there is a fourth person in there who who... who protects them. Who protects God's sheep? But Jesus the shepherd, who guards, who protects, who, who brings into shelter. He is, he is like the burning bush who called Moses. It's a fire 
It's a burn a bush that was burning, but it's not consumed. These three in the in the in the oven, in the furnace, they are burning, but they're not consumed because they are in Christ. Jesus is there with them. It is amazing. The Lord is opening up eyes, and here is the clincher. If you're not convinced that Jesus is in the Old Testament, let me let me um, let me convince you here. John chapter eight. Jesus is um, debating with some some Jews, starting in verse fifty-one, uh, and. Uh, let me just read John 8, verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Why do you make your, who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I say to you, if, if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. And here is a key verse. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it. And was glad. Did you catch that amazing verse? Abraham saw Jesus. Because it says in verse 57, So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. And what is Jesus saying? He says, Yes, I did see him. He did see my day. And we say, where? I don't, I don't know where Jesus met Abraham in the Old Testament. Well, there is a chapter, which is a peculiar chapter. In Genesis 18, this is before uh, he, he prays and, and, and pleads for, for God to save Sodom and Gomorrah. These three visitors come, and their identity is mysterious. It says in verse 1, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. So these three men are representative somehow of the Lord. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of them. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. And then it says in verse 9, They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? This is the three, three visitors. And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this next time, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. So when Jesus says in John chapter 8, I met Abraham, here is a chapter where Abraham met the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Colossians 1, verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The reason why nobody has ever seen God is because He is invisible. But who makes the Father visible? It is Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. 
and He is the only way to the Father. That starts in Old Testament all the way to now. He has never changed. Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. Did you know that Jesus is there from beginning to end? If you have eyes to see, you will see Him, and if you encounter Him, your hearts will burn. Your hearts will burn. And that is the confession of the two. They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And so perhaps you've been reading the Bible for many years. And outside of the Gospels, you have, you have, have had, a, had a hard time seeing Jesus. I pray starting today, you will see Jesus is everywhere. It is, it is theologians, it is professors at seminaries who've put boxes and have put lenses on our sight and, and put mufflers on our ears uh, and put some uh, like a Teflon coating around our heart so that we cannot hear, see, and perceive. And, we, and, we, and they've put boxes that should not be there. May the Lord start removing them so that you can see Jesus is there from beginning to end. Let's meet Him and the sign that you've met Him is that your hearts, may our hearts all burn for Jesus. Okay, let's pray. Father, forgive us. because of lack of purity of our heart or bad teaching in God's church we've forgotten the whole reason why we gather on a Sunday it is to encounter the living risen Lord Jesus Christ forgive us for having eyes that could not see you and ears that could not hear you and hearts that could not understand you you are standing right there, physically and spiritually. We cannot understand. Lord, I pray that the reverse may be true. Physically, you may not be physically in front of us, but spiritually, may we have eyes to see, may we have spiritual ears to hear, may we have hearts to receive and to perceive and to understand who you are on every page of Scripture. I pray that you would surprise us. I pray you would blow us away, that you're there. And we've been reading this text for so long. We didn't know you're there. And then when we finally see you and our eyes are open, our ears are open, our hearts understand, may it cause a burning on the inside as you open up Scripture. Lord, we want to have fresh eyes as we come to the Word of God. You are the Word of God. We want to encounter you afresh. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you minister to us as you did the two men on the road to Emmaus, I pray in the breaking of the bread and the, in the taking of the cup that you would open up eyes, ears, and soften hearts, that you would meet us in the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.